Hello and welcome to Movie Theater Time Machine, the show where we keep it real to real as much as we can. I'm Nick. I'm Kaz. Uh, this one you're going to hear a little bit of a difference today. Uh, a couple of our players are not really feeling so hot, so Kaz and I have taken this one. And today we're talking about the Glenn Miller story as we jump a little bit forward. Uh, this one into, was in color. Yeah, then we jump a little bit forward into Jimmy Stewart month. Um, let's just get something right off the rip. This one... I didn't care yeah, for it. Yeah. Like, when I was thinking about this, like, it's a solid Jimmy Stewart role. And, like, with the stuff that we were, like, we were talking about last time, we're talking about how, like, Jimmy seems to be almost ageless. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's a solid Stewart performance, but... That's nothing stands out about yeah. it though. It's I can't help but see him, you know, as the actor rather than as Glenn Miller that he's playing. I think later in the film he's more Glenn Miller. I don't know. In I my d- opinion, I didn't really get much impression of Glenn Miller. What he's like, other than in the beginning, he's fucking pushy as fuck, trying to get what's her face to marry him. That was to get Helen to marry him. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of yeah. uh, not flattering. Yeah, some of this, like, what I'm thinking about it, like, there's a really good um, autobiography, like biographical film that's called Dragon: The Bruce Lee Story. And, you know, the reason why it's so good is people, like, who are part of the film, like, had a lot of space in order to be able to tell the story well. Like, it's like 20-something years, and this was released almost 10 years to the day that he died. Which movie? Glenn Miller. Ah. The one we're talking about. Well, you started talking about Bruce Lee. Yeah, and, you know, that's why I said, you know, the Bruce Lee one was like 20, 25 years after mm. he died in order for them. And I think they had enough space in order to do it. This one, almost everyone involved was friends with Glenn Miller. Mm. And I think, I'm look, I'm thinking about it, I'm like... So yeah. that's probably why there was a shit ton of lack of conflict. Yeah, like, you know, from the band leader um, that, God, I can't remember his name, but the band leader who was... Uh, at the very beginning when he's trying to give his arrangements to when they're auditioning for the band. Yeah. All yeah. the problems that crop up are just solved, like, next scene. It's, yeah. There's or, no tension. Or, or even in the same scene. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, or even in the same scene itself. Like, sometimes you, know, you think there's going to be some conflict, and then, nope, yeah. everything's fine. Yeah, and it's that, yeah. Like, that's, when Helen's in the hospital, it's like, oh my god, is she going to, like, die in childbirth or some shit? Yeah. Or, Whatever. And then no, you find out she, fine. you know, you find out she must have been pregnant. Oh no! But, you know, it just the what I told is I was texting Joss earlier, mm. and I'm like, the one thing I thought about is like this movie reminds me of the time jump episode of Futurama. Mm, which one? The one where they had to get the um, they had to get the Harlem Globetrotters to figure out what the time skips were doing. Oh, when you said that, I was thinking of the one with the time machine kept going forward. Yeah, yeah, no, not that one. No, it's like where the time the um, where it just ran like random jumps in time, mm. and it turned out because Fry rearranged the stars to write a love note. Oops. And then they and they blew it up. 
You maniacs. Yeah, and then it's just like, you know, like it's just like that that was the thing with this movie. It's like something would happen and then, you know, like, okay, you know, we're you know, Helen, I want you to come to New York and marry me. Well, I haven't heard from you in two years. And I've been engaged for a year. Yeah, I've been married. I've been given more than that. Engaged to Ed Healy for two years. Yeah, and they're like, hey. Dude. Oh, no, no, come marry if me. If you haven't gotten married in two years, there must be a problem. <laughs> oh, my God. That is, like, seriously? <laughs> Do not follow that uh, line of thinking. No, 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 because hell. Because it, it took us 11 years before yeah. we got married. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, don't rush. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, honestly, this... He was way too pushy about that. It's like... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it did seem like... And she came, and she's like, oh... Right, yeah. I'm just coming to, I don't know, talk you out of this or something like stupid like that. I just want to talk Oops. to you. Oops, we're married. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah like... <laughs> You wouldn't have come if you hadn't known subconsciously that you wanted to be with him, I guess. Right, yeah. It, or you have a pathological problem saying no. Yeah, like how... <laughs> all he does is kiss her and then, okay, she's in. <laughs> you know, then again, she did pack up. She did all this other stuff and... She had a, she had her ex-fiance drive her to the airport. Wow. Yeah. That's, I wanted to see more of that. So that's what that I mean. would have that's, been conflict. Yeah, but that that and also I, not about Glenn Miller. Right. Yeah. True. 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 So yeah. there's a, yeah. Or when you, another part where he's playing music to accompany a film and he gets the letter from the war office and it's like, ooh, is this gonna be some conflict? Does yeah. he does he get drafted against his will? Nope. He signed up on purpose. Yeah. Ooh, he he's like, not enjoying have conducting the band and they're just playing stiff old military music that's been played for a hundred years and then he gets a little funky with it like some kind of i don't know some weird nerdy rebel yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking of i can't think of any specific movies yeah. what like footloose or some shit like, like yeah. or yeah. or like yeah. in the simpsons when homer is trying to piss off the dean of the college yeah the, like one that, of those yeah, that kind was of like the Animal House style parody, yeah. Yeah, but but then yeah. and then he's getting uh, talked, you know, disciplined in the office, and oh, some higher ranking guy comes along. And he's like, I liked it, and okay. Yeah, this was my one big laugh in the movie. Yeah. Is there the guy? You know, the general walks out, and then you know Jimmy Stewart just looks at him. He's like, you know, like, what are you gonna do now? Like, it just... Can I have my own band? <laughs> yeah, it just... Sure. Did, but doesn't say a word. He just, when he looks there, he just looks at the colonel and goes, Okay, now what? <laughs> or just, I picture, like, this This could be a good bit in, like, I don't know, like... I'm thinking, like, it could be a lost episode of Clone High. <laughs> like, even though they had weird historic figures, if you had the teenage Jimmy Stewart... That tried to start a rock band or tried to change the school band instead. Uh. Or, <laughs> like, well, it'd be a teenage Glenn Miller. Well, I mean, just still, it would be, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but they're like, what are they gonna do now? I'm Jimmy Stewart and I'm 13. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Yeah, and I, I don't wanna, like, 
I don't want to press on, you know, stuff for like, you know, this movie itself, I mean, it's obviously not my favorite, but mm. I mean, as far as Jimmy Stewart movies, this is definitely not the worst. Mm. But, but it's the best. Per- performance wise, he's good. I guess. I mean, he's good for what it is. I think he filled more into the role a little more, and I think he kind of... It still was Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Like, it still was. I mean, I think this also... It gets a little better when he puts on the Glenn Miller glasses, but it's... Yeah. I don't know. It's... Right, yeah. When he puts on the Glenn Miller glasses, he's a lot better. Yeah, that helps. You know, and and when yeah. they gray his hair out, because there's a yeah, lot of weird time he... skips that are kind of confusing in this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. there's no text to tell you five years later or anything like that. Yeah. Just kind of like, oh, I did this eight years ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. It's, um... Uh, like their anniversary, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's their tenth anniversary. I'm like, what? Ten years have passed, mm. and you don't really know until their parents come back into the picture, and you're like, oh yeah, they look older. Okay, mm. that makes sense. And you know, I, I don't know. To me, it's just, it's just odd. I mean, we can go through some of it, but just for a moment, because uh, we do want to make an announcement. I'm really, really super excited is that in a few weeks we're going to have the executive director of the Jimmy Stewart Museum. Yay! uh, Who's going to come in, Janie, and I spoke with her over the phone and she was super, super, super excited to be with us. Hmm. And I think it's a museum that I've been been learning more about it and, you know, the Jimmy Stewart Museum is, you know, we want to go, we want to encourage you for movie theater time machine to listeners Go down there and visit it. This is a museum that's in Indiana, Pennsylvania. And at the museum, the exhibits are new and everything has been repainted since they've reopened in 2021. We have the costumes, movie posters, props, military uniforms, medals, statue, personal items, all that Jimmy Stewart actually selected himself. Mm. So we go to the, you can also have the they have a vintage 50 seat theater which showcases over 80 of his movies and a heck of a lot more. So they're located at 835 Philadelphia Street. That's in Indiana, Pennsylvania, Jimmy Stewart's hometown, located across from the street from where his dad had a hardware store. And isn't that wonderful? <laughs> so go visit them Jimmy at jimmy.org and help plan your visit because this is a place that really needs a lot of attention and it should be really good and really enjoy yourself. So Janie, we can't wait to hear from you in a few weeks. This is going to be real fun. There mm-hmm. should be one in, um, in our uh, the, ep- the episode where we cover the first film with him and John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be really, really interesting. And I mean, yeah, this biopic itself, I mean, you know, obviously they're not going to, um, they're not going to, like, say anything bad. I mean, you you have some of the cast itself, like, Jimmy Stewart, who played Glenn Miller, and he was good friends with Glenn Miller, and they actually used Glenn Miller's real trombone mm. itself, and the funny thing was, was that, um, I actually kind of dig the story on this, is... Jimmy Stewart's not playing the trombone. Yeah. By far. And they tried, they had a teacher that tried to teach him the uh, how to play like Glenn Miller. 
and do that, but he just couldn't get the, he couldn't get it down in time. And the teacher, like, went home and supposedly... Like, to literally play the trombone? Like, for realsies? Yeah. Oh, Like, he couldn't get it down to meet the film schedule. Mm. So, like, the guy got so frustrated, he went home and, like, apparently he... I don't... Like, there's, there's been some reports that make it sound worse than it is, and it hasn't been confirmed, but apparently the guy who was teaching him took it out on his family. Oh. There's so much that, you know, I don't know exactly where that, what that means. You know, whether he was just yelling at his family or whatever. Um, I am very disappointed. Yeah, just like, you wouldn't believe this guy. Oh, my God. That Jimmy Stewart actually just said, he's like, you know what? He's like, I'll give it up. I'll just do it myself, you know? You just do it or get somebody to dub and, you know, we'll just go on and we'll just go on. I'll just do the motions. And you could, you can't really tell when you're watching it that he's doing that, you know? I mean, there was some spots in that weird nightclub scene where I'm kind of like, I'm not sure it's matching up, but it mostly did. Well, you mean the, um... The, hey, let's put a weird, um... Oh, the one where, um... Yeah. Color filter in front of the camera scene. If you wanted multicolored lights, just use multicolored lights. Don't... Oh, the Louis Armstrong scene. Yes, don't right. hold up the a random uh, clear swatch yeah, of color. That whatever. Was... I don't know how to describe it. It just kind of reminded me of a um, Viewmaster, but like yeah, color gels instead. Yeah, it was that was really camera, weird. Like, that what? was yeah, that was ultra bizarre. I don't know how to feel about the musical numbers because it's good music, but yeah. And it's only natural to want to put extended um, song segments in a biopic about a musician. But at the same time, I'm like, this movie doesn't need more padding. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to see, you're right too, but I wanted to see more of him really, like, trying to win over Helen. Hmm. Which supposedly that happened. And I mean, the cast... And figured I'm repeating myself a bit, but like just to go into some of it, like Jimmy Stewart was friends with them. June Allison was actually friends with Helen Miller. Harry Morgan, who plays Chummy, <laughs> uh, was actually his real name was John McGregor. Uh, John uh, was the the actual guy who was portraying. Oh, because I was like, is Chummy yeah. a real name? Yeah, but um, uh. Ch- the actual Chummy was an advisor on the movie, and Harry Morgan... Oh, is that why I saw Chummy in the credits? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and uh, Harry Morgan, was uh, who played Chummy, was actually really good friends with Glenn Miller. Huh. You know, threw out a lot of it. Actually, it's where you see it on MASH, when he put... You know, everybody knows Harry Morgan as Colonel Potter. Yeah. But <laughs> Harry... Uh, Colonel Potter is always playing a Glenn Miller record. You know, that's and that's same but token because Harry Morgan was very good friends with them, and you have other stuff like uh, you know Ben Pollock, who was the the big band leader, who um, the big band leader who kind of gave him his start. That was actually Ben Pollock, Babe Russin, uh, Gene Krupa, Ray Conniff. Um, and Louis Armstrong. I mean, all of them. I mean, it's it's very obvious when it's Louis Armstrong. I just gotta say, yeah. How the fuck did Louis Armstrong become so popular and iconic with such a weird voice? I think that's it. 
I want to see him yeah. in a musical battle against Macy Gray. <laughs> oh my god, what if they sang a duet somehow through the magic of time travel? Well, yeah. Well, didn't I think there was... Or separate audio tracks, I don't know. Yeah. Well, there was, um... Yeah, there was something I'm thinking of, but that's not King Cole and his daughter, where they did, like, a duet <laughs> thing, but it was, like, over over the magic of film thing ah. that they did, and that's, uh, but yeah, that, that yeah, Louis, uh, I don't know, uh, apparently Macy Gray is a lot bigger in uh, smaller circles than people thought. She only had, like, one really big breakout hit. Mm. It still makes me laugh. I actually had a, um, a personal thing with Macy Gray for a little while. When I worked for said hotel company and her assistant used to call get me and I had to make the hotel reservations. Uh-uh. Yeah, and she was she was a diva and a half, man. Ooh. Uh man, where do you see it? Oh yeah, yeah, like um Or just kinda yeah. demanding a lot. Extremely demanding and the thing I remember is her assistant honey. Um there was a thing, the note on her file at the hotel that when people check her in, you had to like, they had to look at her throat or look at her feet. Like, Maybe she's bad at eye contact. Yeah, no, they couldn't look at her like. I don't like eye contact. Yeah, they couldn't look at her in the eyes or else she would scream and yell. Mm. And she, um, another thing that, you know, like, that I think, um, she had, um, they had to remove all the furniture out of the room and, okay. then, and then had to replace it with her own furniture. Oh, boy. And Who travels around with their furniture? I don't know. But, um, and then um, I remember she can only take elevators by herself, which that one makes sense. So she could fart all she wants. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, but I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's, it is, it's very, very odd. I mean, I probably... I remember another time where she was really stoned and her assistant was telling me how she was beating over the newspaper Ooh. or something. They got the room ready yet? Or something. It was just, it was We very... watched a movie about Glenn Miller. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting oh, off track. I just wanted to mention, uh, yeah. I don't know if anyone cares, but I, re- I remember the Sam and Max game. Moai Better Blues, where I think they go through the Bermuda Triangle and end up on an island with all these missing people had turned into babies because of the Fountain of Youth cause plot. And so there's a little baby yeah. Glenn Miller and uh, Amelia Earhart and D.B. Cooper and shit like that. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah. I... Pop culture reference. You know, through through the... You know, it's... Obviously, we talk, we talk about it like with Glenn Miller and his death. His death is ultra-suspicious. Yeah, like, as far as I understood it, I thought the airplane just disappeared. And yeah. Did they ever find it? Um, they believe it was in the uh, in the English Channel. But th- they never found they it? They never really fully found it. But the, it's interesting when you look at the conspiracy theories of, uh, like, how did he die? Hmm. Or something. I think one of the odd ones did was... Did Elvis and the aliens beam him up? Yeah, or like... <laughs> or like he was assassinated by the U.S. government when it was uncovered that Dwight Eisenhower sent him to make a deal with the Nazis to make a peace deal. Why would they send a musician? Y- yeah, right. Like, it just, like, there's this stupid stuff, but that came out, like, in the 90s. Mm. It's stuff, so, like, it just, to me, I don't know. Okay, we, uh, yeah. we should probably talk about the ending of this movie. It's kind of a mixed bag. 
It is. Because it is. Yeah, it, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. If I didn't know he mysteriously died in a plane crash or plane disappearance, um, I'm not sure how much I would have gotten that from the end of this movie because, I mean, well, okay, you see him doing stuff with the army and then you might start thinking, oh, maybe there's going to be conflict because there's war going on. But even when you almost get to conflict, where he's leading a band, playing a song, and an air raid siren goes off, and you keep seeing these people turning around, staring at an airplane in the sky, and it's like, why aren't you idiots, you know, running to shelter? Right. It's like, oh, we're just going to look at the thing to see if it bombs us. But, uh... What, the, the band or the crowd? The crowd? Yeah. I mean, the, I assume the band was having some kind of Titanic thing going on, like we gotta keep playing on to keep people calm. That's pretty much why they did it, yeah. But there's no excuse for the soldiers or whatever, yeah. and nurses and shit that are in the audience. It's like, oh, and then after a very long time... Well, maybe not a long time, but too long. The, yeah. it, it looks like the airplane that might be a bomber got hit and is going to s- start spiraling or whatever. And then all the people are like, oh, let's duck and cover. Right. They, they don't even have desks to protect them. No. As if, you know, that wasn't already a joke. Right, yeah. It's like, yeah. and the band finished their song and everything's fine. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I guess... That's the closest we're going to get to conflict. Yeah. And then, oh, he goes on an airplane, and then it's like uh, some army guys in an office, like, oh, it, it doesn't look like it, the it's not logged in the logbook. Yeah. That's it? Oh, yeah. I don't, we shouldn't tell the family over Christmas, but, sh- but or he's going to broadcast something to his wife, and so she shouldn't find out that way, so let's call the family uh, personally. And then the next scene, it's like, okay, she's wearing a black dress with white trim. It could either be fancy dress or it could be a morning dress. We don't yeah. know. We don't know if she's been told or not. She's not, the kids well, have their yeah, presents. And, and until she starts crying, that's when they yeah, like, like, you get it. Like, yeah, it's like, then like, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, now you remember to act. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there's a, there's that a lot. was pretty good crying and stuff. Yeah, there's a there's a line here. It's it's like oh, it's good to have friends, and I'm like, yeah, it's good to have friends. Hmm. So what? Like you know, where are we going here? And then nobody's really subdued. And I mean, you know, I I, I thought of it like. What do you mean? No one's subdued. No, no one's. They should. She should have been like hysterical. Yeah, like no nobody's really like comforting her like somebody just died like and it's like it's like Harry Harry Morgan I don't think really got his acting chops in until like 20 years later because like when he's on Dragnet he's very like very monotone mm. with emotions and you know he just like but is know. that part of the character or his acting I think it's his acting because I've seen it's just like his emotions and some of the other stuff we've seen where he's in when he's younger, he doesn't really have a wave of emotions. And finally, like when he played he had Kirk, some spots in this movie where yeah. he, he seemed kind of excitable. Like maybe it was just the way he smiled and him having brown yeah. hair. He just like he had a 
a boyish sparkle. Yeah, I mean, he... And, okay. Yeah, here and there at moments. Yeah, where he's like happily it's, it's playing not really piano much. And, and I mean, you know, maybe it's because I've seen him play Colonel Potter so much. I yeah. Mean, he, he has, like, he has a wide range of emotions in that character. Oh, yeah. You know, a, a severe emotions from everything, you know. Then I guess it made him more human. This one, I don't know, this is, this is weird. Yeah, yeah I, I, I just feel like, I don't know, maybe she was trying to st- keep it together for the sake of the kids, but it didn't seem like it. It just seemed, yeah. she seemed kind of apathetic until, I don't know, maybe that could be shock, but it didn't come off as a stylistic decision. I, I agree with you, yeah. But then yeah. she listens to the radio, and see, this part was pretty good because he had said um, that he was going to have a surprise for her. Right. And at the beginning of the movie, uh, they were listening to the song Little Brown Jug, and mm-hmm. it meant something to her because I guess her father used to sing it. Yeah, it was it was a thing as a kid, yeah. Yeah, so he knew she liked that song, and so now the last surprise he ha- gift he has for her is uh, playing that song like his style. Yeah. And so that that's when she breaks down and cries. So that part was pretty good. It, yeah. It's just, I feel like maybe we should have seen her get the call and, like, I don't know, die inside or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like it was missing a lot. It, it, uh, it that's was what missing I mean. it was, drama and emotion. That's what I mean. It's like this movie has time skips a lot. Like it, There's it, a lack of atmosphere. Yeah, and also weird scenes where it just... It depicts like the, there's a few lines where it's like, okay, he's gonna die, mm. or mm. like you know, you're the man of the house, and I'll see you when I get back. Oh, you're dead. They're like, ah, uh, like you never say that when somebody's going to war, <laughs> or whatever. He was yeah. already in war, but yeah, but when they're fl- they're they're getting on the plane, they're heading off, and the the family's waving bye, and the little girls like waving a little bit or something, or. It just it got really weird, and like it's funny when you you, um, you mentioned Little Brown Jug. I actually just looked this up, but um, it's shown that he's disliking the tune Little Brown Jug and only performing it with a special arrangement in 1944 for his wife. The song was actually first performed and recorded by the Glenn Miller Band in 1939, actually becoming one of his biggest hits. It was performed numerous numerous times with his Air Force orchestras and also his civilian band. This actually became one that was one of his biggest hits ever and sold over a million copies. Mm. Which it um, that was actually the talk when he was talking about his um, with his dad how he makes three hundred you know th- um, he makes three cents a record. <sighs> and like, oh, you made twenty four thousand dollars. Wow, you actually been pretty good. And that's you know. His dad, Glenn Miller's father, was ultra concerned about him being a musician because yeah. they didn't make a lot of money. Well, that's probably that's why he was, you know, pawning the trombone and right. then unpawning it. Yeah, which actually, and that I wanted to see more of too. Yeah, I mean the struggle yeah. that yeah. you don't have a story without conflict. Yeah, it's you know Stewart did really really good, and I just like or how Chum I. I I Chummy? think the, the only thing I liked about Chummy is, like, where he had to, like... I think the closest thing we got to conflict was when he had to sell his car. Yeah. In order to keep going. And, and he's and like, no, nah, I'll do it. I'll, I'm like, and then it's never really mentioned again. Yeah, I was confused because I wasn't... I was kind of... I wasn't exactly invested in this. No. So I, 
I don't catch every little detail. So I was right. kind of, I remember Helen in the hospital bed and Glenn telling her something about having to sell all the cars and the band is dismantled and yeah. I'm not going to do this again. And what, what, how did he get back on his feet? I don't remember that. Um, I was just kind of like, oh my God, I'm I, you're not grabbing my attention. Yeah, well, he was given, uh, basically he was given another chance. In order to play somewhere else. Did so it happen to, like, oh, next scene, it's all solved? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh, and then we yeah. get to see him all rich and stuff, yeah. and it's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to see more of the fact, like, you know, where uh, Harry Morgan has a great line in here where he's like, are you going to leave, um, I can't remember, what the heck was the guy's name? Um, the scene where they're leaving uh, Ben Pollock's band. Hmm. And earlier he's like, I can't, you know, I can't believe you're leaving. You're getting, you're, you're getting rid of us. You know, I'd go with you, but I've eaten for the past two years. Hmm. You know, and it's a good thing. I'm like, yeah, you know, musicians do struggle. You know, they struggle quite a bit, and you know, I'm having, pretty sure all artists of all kinds, yeah, yeah. struggle. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know that people keep making these. Uh, feel good kind of movies where they yeah. finally make it big in the end and it's kind of I don't know if you haven't made it big yet kind of makes you feel bad yeah like what am I doing wrong well like um there was a similar thing and I'm thinking of like there's a documentary with Metallica where they had their live stuff and they're talking about how the band has grown and done different things and this is before they uh, they went on hiatus for a while and almost broke up but um, they had this thing that they did. They said it was called, uh, they called it Loser's Lunch. Mm -hmm. And they spent quite a bit of time about it. Like, the only thing they had was they would have two pieces of bread and ketchup. <laughs> and, you know, was, that's the only thing they could afford while they were touring. And if they cut the food budget down, they actually made money. Gah. You know, but they were, you know, and they spent time with it. So in the end, like, you appreciated. And you can understand because you're seeing all the struggle. You know, you're, you're not missing this. I mean, I'm with you because this is what this movie lacks. You know, mm. and, you know, where it's like, it's not showing It's that, like linear know. progress, yeah. but I'm not sure any real-life venture has linear progress. Where no. it's like, you just work a little harder, you get a little better results, go keep climbing up those that those stairs. Right. Nice up the slope, everything you spend gets paid back to you somehow. And right. Everything and, and no, and turns out to be worth it. It's not that way. It's yeah. up, it's down. It's up, up it's down. Oh, it's horrible. And, you know, another thing with this that I think I... I wanted to see more of is the one song that you hear over and over again is, you know, Moonlight Serenade. Mer you know, Moonlight Serenade over and over and over. Although the funny thing was, was when they did Moonlight Serenade as a different arrangement hmm? with uh, oh, with yeah. the showgirls. But at the <laughs> same time, he's complaining because it's a quote. They did it as a quote hoochie coochie number. It's not supposed to be like that. <laughs> Why are you complaining? About that. At least you're getting performed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing Jimmy Stewart say hoochie coochie number is pretty funny. <laughs> I want that as a ringtone. Mm. Oh, hoochie coochie number. Like, <laughs> like it's just it's funny. <laughs> Would that be a 900 number? <laughs> 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 it's just, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> well, the hoochie coochie number, what did you have in mind? 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Are you feeling in the mood? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's a good way to put this in. Oh. Is, um, you know, you know, Segway. This episode is also sponsored by AdamandEve.com. They've been a longtime sponsor of us, some good friends. Eric, thank you for catching on. Um, we do have at AdamandEve.com, we do have an offer code MTTM. Four letter words. So if you use MTTM, dear, you do have bonuses and you do have discreet shipping actually delivered discreetly right to your door. Discreet. So adamandeve.com, use the offer code MTTM and it helps support the show. Pants yeah. optional. <laughs> and, you know, I think, like, the things where I'm thinking about with Glenn Miller itself, it's like, you know, where you get the music, you get um, mm. the Pennsylvania 65000, which is... I'm not sure that's loud enough for anyone to hear. And like, all right, this is kind of fine, and you know where you get in. It's just like I realize Glenn Miller's a a little bit lost to time. What do you mean? To a degree, I think you know what. A lot of this stuff you know from maybe some video games. Pop cultural really osmosis. Into it, pops culture osmosis. The ending of The Shining. Yeah, and I think yeah. I mean, if you <laughs> there's, well, there's that a, makes no sense. They, yeah. So Moonlight Serenade was the song at the end of The Shining. Yeah. That makes no sense because when was that written? Well before The Shining. No, no. I mean, what year was that song? Um, I don't know. Um. I'm not sure. Not to be confused with Moonlight Sonata. Totally different song. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to hear Mashup. Yeah, Moonlight Serenade, I mean, you know, it's somewhere in the 40s, I believe. So the whole, yeah. the party at the Overlook Hotel was like 1921. Yeah. So wrong era of music, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I it sounds I'm... good. It makes you think haunted ass yeah. tragic hotels and yeah and, I mean, ghosts. In, the, in the beginning when he's like you know oh i i'm play i have i want my movies or my music to be played and play, you know really good places and i'm like I, i'm like okay you want to have your music played in haunted hotels <laughs> as well mm, or yeah i'll be played over at the good you know fourth of july ball oh and more people will come over time Okay, that's the the other aspect of the ending I forgot to mention is at least they wrapped it up on a high note in in a way even though he's dead or whatever um I guess he he achieved his uh dream of having making music that will live on. Yeah, yeah, true. So um, that that aspect was yeah. good. It's just the lack of drama leading up to that yeah. was kind of like I yeah. wonder how this movie would have been different if we got to be with him at his last moments, but that could have been tacky because that would be yeah. obviously fictional. Yeah, yeah. But still, not seeing it yeah. is uh, also not good. A different, you know, you know, you don't like sudden endings, too, mm. of, of movies. So. Well, I mean, I knew it was going to end like that. Yeah. But I just thought there would be more drama yeah. involved. Well, I mean, there, there's stuff in this movie that is, um, that is made up a lot, you know, that's fictionalized for the plot, mm. you know, or how, um... Weren't they on the verge of divorce when he died? Oh, uh, yeah. 
I, I read yeah. that somewhere. Yeah, possibly. And the um, about how um, how how things uh, the heck is uh, sorry, folks. Um, how uh, Pennsylvania six five thousand was the telephone number of the boarding house where he was staying. <laughs> Wasn't a hotel. No, no, it's um. It was and is the telephone number for Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City. <laughs> what if it was Hotel Transylvania? Oh, <laughs> uh, fantasy casting. Transylvania 65000. <laughs> <laughs> Everything would be frenetically paced. And that would keep my attention because yeah. motion. Right, right. Yeah, it's just how that, you know, leading to... The point where it's like, okay, he created this as, you know, a memento of what the point where he convinced her to come to New York. Well, that's nice, but it's like, it's not really, not really the biggest thing, you know, that I'm like, oh, what whatever. Is but, that, um, yeah. Not inaccurate? It is, a, it is inaccurate, yeah. Well, biopics kind of walk a fine line because uh. life is boring. There's a lot of boring stuff. There's like, Hey, I'm going to watch TV, or, hey, I got to poop. You don't right, want all that yeah. in your biopic. Yeah. So sometimes you got to fudge things to m make them be more of a story. I, th I think people, the point of a story usually is that it has some kind of meaning to it, or else why would you tell it? So right. people are probably looking for as much meaning in their own lives as they are in stories and movies yeah. and stuff, so... If yeah. you didn't, if you didn't make it, pound the events into a uh, cohesive um, narrative, then it's probably gonna be like this movie—a string of random events. Yeah, yeah and well, maybe not random, but just kind of like. Good that you mentioned that too. Is I since this is you know a movie theater time machine. I mean, it's the poor. The good thing to bring up is how the reasons why um, this movie is the way it is is you also got to consider the time that it's uh, released. It got like, what, eight on Rotten, uh, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Somehow? I'm yeah. I'm sorry, I don't see it. I think, yeah, we, we don't, but it's, you know, it's not for, my bag, you know. For the time, yeah. No, the music is. This is definitely on us. The music's fine, but. Yeah, I like the music. It's yeah. just the yeah. movie itself, I've. Yeah. Kind of lacks conflict. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but... Or sustainable Yeah, conflict. and also... Because this was released in 1954, and... You the, thought they were too afraid to get depressing. No, that that is true. You know, because, because movies released, you know, shortly after wars or during wartime... How about after 9-11? Or that they got, you know, it was very, like, feel-good, melancholy stuff. But particularly... Um, yeah. movies at that point were very, um, were very melancholy when, you know, the, the country was in very high conflict. And Wouldn't you, people want, like, comedies? They, well, it, 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 it was, yeah, it was melancholy, feel good, you know, all this, but it wasn't, it wasn't really, like, down in the dump stuff, or really high drama. Mel so melancholy and feel good don't really go together. Yeah, much. but it's just it had one tone. Uh, so, unless you're some kind of masochist. So uh, the um, whatever. Yeah, right. But it's just um, you know movies at that time. You know when you went to the movie theater, you had maybe one, maybe two cartoons. You didn't have movie trailers like you do now. 
you had um, you had one maybe two cartoons had a little bit of a musical piece and then you had a newsreel yeah and the newsreel showed what was going on so after the newsreel like you, you kind of brought down going oh Jesus Christ that's all what's going on in the real world you know then you had this stuff so you had those movies that were all just one particular tone where you knew what you were going to get and you know the, what came out of it was movies like this Mm. That nothing really bad happened because well, except for mysterious the, airplane ex- death, the, the death, yeah, but nothing. But it was treated with such kid gloves, you know, and you know nothing really bad or nothing really like nothing really upsetting happened. He returned to his home planet and died. <laughs> I think Lana Miller was Poochie the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to recycle. Remember to recycle, kids? Always recycle. Uh, To uh, the extreme! (laughs) Well, what did everybody think? (laughs) Uh, The um, other things with this that, you know, weren't really quite right here, uh, just reading this, the the anachronisms that in the picture here. Uh, The military uh, band led by Miller uh, playing in front of uh, General Arnold um, a B-29 bombers in the background. The, uh, the marching troops are desegregated, which actually didn't occur until 1948. Hmm. And, you know, the scenes um, where it's shot in England and it's clearly staged in the U.S., and they witnessed the, uh, the RC, uh, RCA um, 44 microphones of the BBC broadcast in reality. The BBC couldn't afford those. So they had to get their the really cheap version of those in order to get it. Um, the uh, Miller was uh, dressed down for performances of jazz bands. Is told by a superior officer Souza that the marches served the the military well in World War One. However, in the Souza, yeah, the uh, colonel who was um, who was who was John the, Philip Souza. Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah. The, the guy with the yeah. Souza phone. Yeah. yeah. Song so, I can't remember. Yeah, and the Crap, uh, certain well. However, in in the film, his character apologizes sheepishly and is only rescued with another officer whose children are fans. Miller's biographer uh, George T. Simon states that the actual response to him was, "Are you still flying the same planes you flew in the you flew you flew in the last war?" And which the jazz marches stayed in what they aired. So and. Um, some of the people, um, you know, some of it was made for, like, the big scene, too, which I kind of liked was um, Francis Langford and the Modern Airs, you know, when they're playing, you know, like a USO show, mm-hmm. you know, where the, the girl came up, the, the blonde girl, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're doing it. That, yeah, that stuff never happened, you know, mm-hmm. never happened. But I think it was, you know, you had all, you had war veterans who you know were just removed like almost ten years past, who are probably gonna go see this and just try to remember some of those shows. So it was to keep those fans interested. Wait, it says here on Wiki that uh, John Philip Sousa died March sixth, nineteen thirty-two. So, oh, I thought it said that on there. Unless there's a, some guy with the same damn name. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Sousa himself who was the disciplinarian, but it was the superior officer who said that the marches served Philip John Sousa well. 
Hmm. Who was in World War One? Oh, okay, because I, I saw that name like flash across your uh, screen, and I'm like, what? Right, yeah, and um, stars yeah. and stripes forever. You know, um, you know this movie itself. I'd say it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really it's all right. I if you are into Glenn Miller's music and Jimmy Stewart. Give it a go. You know, give it a go and try it. But, you know, you might get something different other than us. Yeah. But it's not really a... Not really a, like... I didn't stick out for me. I'm like, yeah, okay, this was a movie. Yeah, I didn't feel in, really invested in the characters too much. No. No. Other than that kind of spike you get when you're wondering, okay, it's getting towards the end. How's he going to die? When's he going to die? Right. How dramatic is this going to be? Right, right. I, Not uh, at all. Yeah, and to me, I didn't know about how he died until you told me. I told? Oh. Yeah, like, yeah, you told me Oops. about it. Like, okay, I'm like, oh, okay, so we'll look for that. And I mean, for me, I'm like, okay, I said the same thing. I'm looking for, in my head, I'm like, okay, kind of waiting to see how that's going to happen. And... Like, all right, it's not really even that sad, or... He does mention, he's like, oh, it's kind of soupy around here, isn't it? Yeah, it was foggy. Like a, yeah, incredibly foggy. I'm like, no, 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 that's that's just the way things are. Don't worry about it. This movie would probably be kind of different if color grading had been, like, a thing then, like it is now. Right. Because, holy crap, like, the part where he's playing for the soldiers and they're looking up at the bomber... It, yeah. It's so sunny and saturated, like the rest of the movie. I, it, you would think if this was done in a modern time, they would just put a disgusting gray filter over everything to make it look ominous. Mm. And still nothing would happen, but yeah, just a visual thing I notice. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree, I agree. I mean, this movie does have a lot of cameos, and I mean, for seeing somebody, if you really just want a good showcase of Glenn Miller music before there was MTV, where it's just okay. Here's just a here's a long ad for his music, hmm. of ways it might have been performed. Hmm. You know, which is like okay, you know, it's good. I, I think Jimmy Stewart himself. I mean, I think he did a really good one. He made two million dollars out of this, um, but I did notice that you know one of his things that he would do in a lot of these movies is he would take a very small salary, but also take percentages. Hmm. So as it was released, if it did really well, he would make a good amount of money. But yeah. it also made him very bankable to peep to studios ah. as well, because they're like, okay, the front-end investment isn't really that bad, and if it is successful, everybody wins. That makes sense. Yeah, and um, yeah, Tom Hanks actually took cues from him. Huh. You know, where, where he did that. I um, Now I'm thinking Jimmy Stewart in... Big. Oh my God! Slide on that key, the keyboard, man. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be awesome. I don't yeah. remember much about Big, yeah. other than the keyboard and the Zoltan. And yeah, yeah, it's maybe yeah, some that, awkward that would almost be, sex or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah, it would be wow. Yeah, that would be a really wow. Goo. Oh, cool. um, Fantasy yeah. casting. Mm. But yeah. I suppose first you want to talk about 4041 Media. Yeah, why don't we do that? Okay.
Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening. Movie Theater Time Machine is a part of the 4041 Media Group with podcasts like Psych Your Crime and Free Your Geek, which you can check out at 4041media.com. That's all squished together in one word, and the numbers are written as numbers. Now it's time to tell us what you think. If you got an opinion or wanted to know what's coming up next, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Movie Theater Time Machine. Now our podcast will always be free. Free? To subscribe and share. But if you'd like to help us build a bigger, better podcast, not to mention our confidence, you can find merchandise designed by me, Kaz, at Zazzle. Or check out the Kaz Foxen's Animal Shop at Zazzle for cute animal gifts and pet supplies. Thanks so much, and back to the show. And we're back! Yes, we are. I stole you thunder. Thunder. What would Glenn Miller do if he did a cover of Thunder? Mm. Thunderstruck. That'd be pretty cool. Do, 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 thunderstruck. Yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I don't know. We were talking about it later. Postmodern like, jukebox should do that if they're still a thing. Yeah, no, they are. They are. They're actually touring very soon. Mm. Um, yeah, I... You know, we were talking about it earlier. I think an interesting thing. I don't know about you with fantasy casting. I don't really have mm. much. Yeah, me uh, neither. But, like, what if... Um, Glenn Miller survived into the 80s. Oh, and I was like, would he have, like, <laughs> yeah. gotten in, into composing some crappy synth crap? Yeah. yeah or I, with, like, orchestral synth yeah. crap? I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not a big fan of this 80s synth crap. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to keep calling it that. <laughs> Except yeah. for, um, mm, spin me right round. That, that That's catchy. That, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the 80s synth, yeah, I I don't know. It's like the polar opposite of, like, a Glenn Miller sound. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting with the evolution of it. I mean, I I don't know, like, to me, I... Glenn Miller does disco. I think it would get... I think it'd be more... I don't think much would really change, to be honest. Okay, what about other, like... Famous musicians and singers and stuff. Did, say, Frank Sinatra change with the times, or did he do, like, a nostalgia act, like, the whole time? Um, he did a nostalgia act. I mean, he didn't... He didn't Does that really even do, work? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't... He was the one of those that really, like, popularized with Elvis, like, did the Las Vegas act. Mm. You know, quite a bit, and, you know, he, he didn't really change much. It seems like often you'll get someone who becomes a big star, and then they fade away for a while, but if they're really lucky, they might have a comeback later. Right. But there always seems to, I don't know, the, the, the narrative, the popular narrative seems to be there's like a lull where they're... Their husbands for a while and no yeah. one cares and then it's like oh the old is new again well especially now because you know music is so democratized mm. and access to the technology is so open for everybody that people come and go so quick you know and then really become hits of the moment and then they don't you know I think um, when I think of it like I think Glenn Miller would do so because a lot of his music actually had lyrics and you know, like I, I think in reality it would be like this. Is a, here's a little brief live version of Pennsylvania Six Five Thousand by the Brian Setzer Orchestra, which I think is Seltzer.
And you know, it's like that itself, I think, is the evolution. It's a little bit harder. It's a little bit sexier. So you think Glenn Miller would have turned into the Brian Setzer Orchestra if he lived? I think so. I think it would have been some version of that. I don't think he would have survived to the 90s. I I don't know. No, but, you know, Brian Setzer definitely... There wouldn't have been Brian Setzer if there wasn't Glenn Miller. Mm. And there wouldn't have been Frank Sinatra if there wasn't Glenn Miller either. Hmm. You know, Frank Sinatra actually did some stuff with him. But, you know, as one of his singers. But it's just, it, it was, because that's during the time where the band leaders were really the star and the singers took a back seat. Huh. And uh, Frank Sinatra kind of took the, you know, was responsible for the change in that because he took the crowd over. <laughs> and then it started to become, you know, Frank Sinatra and the Glenn Miller Orchestra. Now I'm just say. thinking about that old cartoon with the skunk was trying to be appealing to the ladies. Oh my god. The non skunk lady. So he like yeah. gets sucked into a tube to make himself really skinny to be Yeah. Do his Frank Sinatra song. Yeah. Oh, geez, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then the ladies love him until they get too close and they smell his skunkiness yeah. and then they're like, Ah Yeah, I I don't know, I I I don't know what would change. You know, I I don't have much really on fantasy casting itself, but I think if you were like or fantasy concepts like I I mentioned a couple like I'm not yeah. I can't remember what no what do you oh, okay do you remember not really um but I think um I think a concept change I mean you know would have been more a focus on the story of Glenn and Helen mm. more or, would you know. anyone have cared though because he's people cared about his music not like his personal life well I think it would, you know I think to hear the stories behind the music. Behind the music. Yeah. They would have to be skillfully, more skillfully intertwined. Yeah. Are the stories really behind it of how they came up with it or like... Like the yeah. relationship somehow affecting yeah. his career. Yeah. And, you know, how, like, I wanted to see more of, like, if the whole story was that he, you know, the very end of it was the marriage. If the very end of it was the marriage and he had, um, it's more about him pawning his trombone. A whole movie of trombone pawn? No, well, I mean, more of it rather than the first 10, 15 minutes. Hmm. You know, that he, you know, he's pawning his trombone and he's trying to sell those arrangements and that he's staying up late at night. Like, he had a brief scene where he's trying to, he's doing... Montage. You know, a very brief scene where he's doing Moonlight Serenade. Yeah. You know, like, well, he's like, okay, he's doing that, and Helen's supporting him, and he's kind of just working out the kinks on the piano. Like, I wanted to see more of that, how, like, that mindset. I mean, that's more interesting to me. Yeah. You know, the more of that, and the very end of it, they're married. You know, or like how he's struggling to become this great musician. At the very end, he has a band. Not the very end, he's dead. Like, we all know he died. You know, or, the, you know, he died. Or, you know, how that I wanted to see. Like, you said, overall, conflict. Yeah. <laughs> like, the conflict of it. Like, is he actually going to do it? And, and then, I, I mean, there's, like, a part where he's all like, I'm not doing another band. I'm, I... I'm giving up on this and stuff. And she encourages, oh, my God, that's so formulaic. Right. He's like, I'm going to give up. And she's like, don't give up. And he's like, okay. 
and then he doesn't <laughs> give up, and then he succeeds, and now he's a millionaire because Hollywood made this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I think a lot of people were very, you know, formulaic on it. I mean, I would see, um, like... I'd rather see a movie with about failure, maybe. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Amadeus. Okay. And, yeah, and I want to see... I want to see this. I just want to see the very end. Like, okay, they're married, and he is playing for a living. And I think, okay, just leave it at that. But all the build-up of his career happens after they get married. Yeah. So that wouldn't... Well, I mean, it's also fixes and changes in order to make things look good. I just want to see that... I think I'd rather see a psychological struggle. Me too. I mean, that's what I mean. That's, mm. that's the psychological struggle is him trying to actually do it. I mean, where he's super poor and he has, you know, I don't know maybe he has his own version of Metallica's Loser Lunch. Or, you know, or the fact that, you know, I, I, I can't picture anything sadder than a musician having to pawn off their instrument mm. just to survive a little bit longer and then try to get it back. Like, that that intrigued me for a little bit. Mm. That that intrigued me. Or, like, you know... Didn't stay pawned very long. No, but, well, yeah, that's because they had to get to other stuff, like oh! the next music. Hey, I know it was a pawn store, but all you saw were instruments, so that made me think, what if Mork showed up? And I don't know. Did space stuff? I don't think I've seen enough episodes to. Um, has that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't seen enough episodes to really make a good joke out of that. But yeah. so yeah. it's more like a hey, remember this reference? Smash right. it together with this other thing. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, like you know, or like suddenly Gazoo's there or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my oh, god. What if this was a Twilight Zone episode and the airplane thing was a twist ending? Like, I'll be careful what you wish for. Sell your soul to the devil at the crossroads, get rich and famous, then you die. Hmm. Did hmm. they do a devil at the crossroads thing in the Twilight Zone? I feel like they did. Because uh, what's-his-face was supposedly did that. Oh. Oh, the, f the famous um, jazz guy. Oh, um... Crap. The, uh... Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. The one, um... The only has two pictures known of him. The, uh... I'm looking at it. Robert Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I had a poster of him on our, on our wall in our first apartment for a while. Mm. Yeah, and that's, um, yeah, that, uh... Yeah, that, that, yeah, Soul to Soul, and then he just, even he has a weird death, too. Oh? Yeah, that he, um... Didn't somebody kill him or something? Yeah, he, um, he, uh, yeah, a guy's soon-to-be ex-wife was flirting with him at a bar, and the guy came in, and he, um, he just lightly punched him in the chest, and he suddenly died. Oof. Yeah, it was just suddenly, like, out of the blue, it's basically, like... One of the uh, people in the documentary explained it that it basically was like a light switch. Hmm. Just off done. Like, Man, yeah. what kind of weak-ass heart is that? Yeah. Oh, and then he also was a severe alcoholic, so... Does that affect your heart? I thought oh, that's yeah. more of a liver thing. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of uh, Homer yeah. Simpson at um, Hullabalooza with the cannons. And <laughs> you can't t if you take one more cannon to the stomach, you'll die. Got any messages for Hendrix? Pick up your puppy. 
Oh my god. Can you believe they did a Simpsons where they changed the timeline to make uh, Homer teen yeah. in the 90s who liked rap? Jesus. Yeah. That yeah, made me feel that, fucking that, old. That, yeah. Uh, I just had to mention that yeah, in case any that, of you are morbidly curious. Yeah, that left a really bad taste in my mouth. He was an adult in the 90s at Hullabalooza taking cannonballs to the guts. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, it's one of the best lines in the whole series too, and it was. Uh, oh, the well, the um thing about getting old. No, no. It we'll, was, we'll keep on rocking forever. Yeah, forever, forever. Oh, it was. Like, um, oh my god, I hit no, so it's much one harder of my, now. One of my favorite lines in the whole series is where he introduces uh, he gets introduced to Billy Corgan. Hey, Billy Corgan, smashing pumpkins. Homer Simpson, smiling politely. <laughs> like, it, just, it was so clever it's, Oh it was like grandpa saying um, I used to be with it Yeah. Um, then when they changed they what, changed what, what it, what it was, was And now it seems weird, weird and scary, scary to me it, it'll, uh, it'll happen it's to you, you. <laughs> Nah man We're gonna keep on rocking forever Forever and ever uh, And then It happens to you in real life Yeah Now Again, I would say with this movie, um, it's okay. Yeah. It, it's it's okay. I mean, if you're if you're a musician, and you played one of those instruments, and you really dug Glenn Miller, maybe this will be for you, and maybe you'll get more out of it than we did. Mm. And you know, so maybe it's an end of a, you know, we I saw this at the end of a very hellish week at work, um, but. You know, and it's hard to push through. So, um, next week... And, and this isn't the kind of movie I would necessarily pick up on my own, so I was yeah. probably predisposed to mm. not be into it too much. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Glenn Miller, Miller's music's good, but yeah, this movie is mm, it needs work. Yeah, I, 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 there's a lot to it. Um, again, we want to thank Jenny Kurgan, uh, McKurgan, who is going to come in, uh, the executive director of the um, of the of the Jimmy Stewart Museum, mm. and you know, hopefully, you know, we're going to have a good time. Uh, she'll be in a few weeks where we talk about the man who shot Liberty Valance. Um, next week is the movie that is a precursor to all the courtroom dramas, uh, the Anatomy of a Murder. Which is one of the best ones ever. So um, we're going to have a really, 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 I believe we'll have a good time with that one. Um, and then, you know, so we'll have that. We have The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Uh, one of Jimmy Stewart's early westerns and actually the first time he's with John Wayne. And we end with How the West Was Won. And that's going to be fun. I just thought of a fantasy casting or mm -hmm. concept. What if... It was directed by Michael Bay. Oh my God! Oof. That would be a dramatic airplane problem. Yeah. Yeah. Her. What if it was attacked by Sharknados? <laughs> There's our fantasy crossover. <laughs> he gets sucked into another dimension where he fights Sharknados, and, and he's a hero, and he does it probably with the power of music. I don't know. Maybe you can team up with Sergeant Pepper and wage war on the, the sharks would be the blue meanies. Did have big noses and be kind of blue and depending on the species, that kind of thing. I like that. I like that. It's funny. Um, 
<laughs> I can't think of a funny title. It, yeah. It's turned into Yellow Submarine. <laughs> the, the the Glenn Miller Submarine. Yeah. Yellow Submarine. Ah, oh, fucking no. Glenn Miller Submarine. Ah, uh, it's not very amusing, though. Yeah. I dig it. What would happen if the Yellow Submarine had sex with the Pink Submarine from Operation Petticoat? <laughs> they have, like, a bunch of strangely colored baby submarines. I think Cary Grant would walk in and then just... See it again and go, okay, I'm not looking at this. You know, looking at the picture of Glenn Miller, he kind of looks like Cary Grant a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, all right, so I think we'll round this one out and um, actually do that. So we'll see you next week for Anatomy of Murder. And we see what 19... 19- Where's the penis? <laughs> so we'll see what 1959 uh, Law and Order was like. Right here, so dun dun. Dun, 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 dun. So be good, take care dun, of yourself, dun, dun, but don't dun, be too dun, good. Dun, dun, dun.